Well, good morning to each one and greetings in Jesus' name. For a message today, I want to continue with the subject of Christian accountability. Today we will be considering practical Christian accountability. For the sake of those who may not have heard the first two messages on this subject, and also because two months has passed since I preached the first message, I thought I would begin with a bit of review. In the first message, we looked at our accountability before a almighty God. We said the foundation for Christian accountability is that we are first accountable to God. We concluded message one with 2 Corinthians 5, 10 and 11, where it says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I trust are well known in your conscience. Personal accountability before God, we said, is where Christian accountability begins and continues. Personal accountability before God is the foundation on which we persuade men. This is the foundation on which we practice accountability among ourselves. And so that was pretty much the thrust of message one. In the second message, we looked at why we need accountability. We considered three reasons why I need accountability. The first reason, I need accountability because I'm prone to wonder. I need accountability because I'm part of the body of Christ. I need accountability, number three, because accountability will keep me free. We concluded with the thought for Christian accountability to continue and to work, there is something that first must happen. We must come to the realization that I am not my own. Accountability will only work among people who realize I'm not my own. I must no longer live to myself, but him who died and rose for me. And then I read the words from 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so that pretty much summed up message number two. But again, in case you were not here for message one or two, I want to say again what we mean when we use the term Christian accountability. This is kind of a combination of one and two, message one and two, but I thought it would be good to review that before we go into today's message. When we say accountability, Christian accountability, we're not talking about force. We're not talking about cornering someone with a stick. We're not talking about invasion of privacy 
or bringing people under the weight of someone else's preferences or legalism. Biblical accountability is not manipulation. The dictionary says accountability means being liable to being called into account. It means answerable and responsible to others. In a Bible sense, accountability is developing relationships with other Christians, which promote spiritual reality, honesty, and obedience to God. Accountability is part of Christian fellowship that happens through honest evaluations of how we are doing in walking with God, in relationships with others, and in responsibilities of life. It involves relationships and friendships which help us change for the better, more like Christ, more in line with God and his word. Accountability, we have said, is for everyone. No one is exempt. This isn't something we just need when we're young Christians. Everyone is in need of it. Accountability is part of the Christian life. It's part of fellowshipping one with another. Other times, accountability is more special. It's one-on-one -on -one between two brothers or two sisters in the Lord who have a mutual trust and confidence in one another. And in that beautiful friendship relationship, iron sharpens iron. And so accountability means teaching, challenging, supporting, and encouraging one another in ways that promote spiritual integrity in us as believers. So that is your review. And that is what we mean when we use the term biblical accountability. And so the question is, how do we do it? What does practical accountability look like? If my search is correct, the word accountability is not found in the Bible. Now the word account is used many times throughout the Bible, but not the word accountability. However, the New Testament uses the phrase one another dozens of times. And often attached to this phrase one another are vivid descriptions of what our friendships should look like in the body of Christ. And so the word accountability, we could say, is a modern term we adopted to summarize many of the one another's that we find throughout the Bible. I want to share a few of these New Testament one another's with you. And I'm not going to have you turn to the references, but I'm going to just kind of go through some. And I want you to listen to what they have to say. And I'll tell you, this is very much a partial list. There are many, many one another's to be found in the New Testament. And some of these one another's that I will share is just part of a verse. It's not the complete verse. So let's begin in the book of Romans. Romans 12, verse 10. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. 
Romans 12:16, be of the same mind toward one another. Romans 14:13, therefore let us not judge one another anymore. 1 Corinthians 12:25, that there should be no schism in the body, but the members should have the same care for one another. Galatians 5:13, for you brethren have been called to liberty only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Ephesians 4, 32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Ephesians 5, 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Colossians 3, 9, do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Colossians 3, 13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you almost must do. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, therefore comfort each other and edify one another, Hebrews 3.13, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 10.24, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. James 4.11, do not speak evil of one another. James 5.9, do not grumble against one another. James 5. 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. Are you getting the point? <laughs> Got a few more to go here. 1 Peter 1.22, since you have purified your souls and obeyed the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. 1 Peter 3.8, finally all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brethren, Brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous. First Peter 4, 8, and above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. And you know, if I'd have got into first and second and third John, we would be going at this for a long time yet. Okay, so I had to stop. But this is a few of the one another's of the New Testament. You see, the word accountability may not be in the Bible, but the concept is certainly found in the one another's of the New Testament. These one another's give us direction to the practical side of Christian accountability. And so I have a poster here that I want to use today as we go into the practical Christian accountability. And I have that inside some plastic, and I hope that's not glaring. Can you all kind of see that? It's a pretty simple, it's not too complicated, so I'll explain it as we go along. But I want to consider, how do I have it written? The pillars of biblical accountability. And as you can see, there are three pillars the center pillar is confession, and then on one side is prayer, 
The other side is encouragement. And those three pillars are standing on the foundation of meeting together. And I want to begin by considering that foundation, the foundation of meeting together. And you can turn to Hebrews chapter 10, 23 through 25. As we think of the foundation of the pillars of biblical accountability. Hebrews 10 verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Verse 25, we have the phrase, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. That we can say is the foundation for biblical accountability. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. Meeting together. And so for what purpose do we meet? Well, verse 23 gives us the first reason. First of all, we meet for our own personal steadfastness. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promise is faithful. The second reason is in verse 24. In order to stir up love and good works among ourselves. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Now the phrase stir up can be translated urge, spur, spur on, motivate. It has also been translated in another place, provoke one another. And so with what do we stir? What is the tool? What is the tool? What do we stir with? Well, we see that in verse 25. We have the word exhorting, but exhorting one another. Now the word exhorting, as we use it, means to strongly encourage or to urge. The Bible definition is similar, but with a more gentle twist. The Bible definition of that word means Yes, to encourage or to urge, but with a more gentle approach. To call near, invite, beseech, comfort, entreat, pray. And so we meet together to encourage one another, to strengthen one another, and to be there for one another. The foundation for biblical accountability is bigger than just regular organized church services. That's certainly an important part of it, but it's bigger than that. It includes all the basic methods of communication, church fellowship, after church fellowship, um, meetings in town for coffee or lunch, talking on the phone, texting, emails, and even writing letters, 
or anything that involves the meetings of the mind. For what purpose? In order to, what's it say? To stir up love and good works. I have a warning here for you, and I have several warnings today as we go throughout this, this discussion, this message. But here is a warning. If an, if an accountability relationship is not stirring up love and good works, or promoting spiritual integrity. In other words, if iron is not sharpening iron, that relationship, as warm and cozy as it may be, as good as it may feel to get together with someone and share your deepest, darkest secrets, that relationship is harming you instead of helping you. Because you see, Christian accountability is always teaching, challenging, supporting, and encouraging one another in ways that promote spiritual integrity and growth. Mm -hmm. And so beware. Just because you're getting together with someone and sharing in a deep way, if that isn't, if that isn't encouraging one another to go on in Christ and grow, Yes, there may be some relief in that. It may make us feel better at the time. But Christian accountability is always teaching, challenging, supporting, and encourage one another in ways that promote spiritual integrity and growth. And so that's the foundation, meeting together. And that can happen in many, many ways. So now I want to consider the pillar of confession. And as you can see, the pillar of confession is the center pillar. We'll talk about the center pillar first. And I invite you to James chapter 5, verse 16. I'm looking for my little remote for the fan, but I don't know if it found its way back up here yet or not. But, uh, but James 5.16, we're, we're looking now at this pillar of confession, the middle pillar. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. This first begins with confess your trespasses to one another. As we have said before, the reason we need accountability is not because we are naturally good, but because we are naturally evil. And I believe Brother Josh explained that very well last Sunday. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Hebrews 3 verse 12 says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. 
And so we have confession here as the center pillar of biblical accountability. Now there's something that we must keep in mind as we think about confession. The level of confession in an accountability relationship will be equal to the level of trust and confidence in that relationship. And so here is another warning. Any so-called accountability relationship that is lacking trust and confidence will be more harmful to you than helpful. Instead of honesty and openness, there will likely be dishonesty and closeness. In such a relationship, we may confess the acceptable sins like discouragement, a lack of trust. We may even confess anger. I get frustrated with my children. I get frustrated with my parents. You know, I need to read my Bible and I need to pray more often. I know I missed two times last week. But you see, because trust and confidence is lacking, we won't say how it really is. We won't get down to the nitty gritty. In an earlier message, we looked at the body of Christ made up of many members. We are accountable to one another in the body. That is certainly a level of accountability, accountability that is good for us. It's important. Confession can certainly be made on that level. But there is another level of accountability that is deeper and more special than the general body of Christ accountability. It's one-on-one -on -one between two brothers or two sisters in the Lord who have a mutual trust and confidence in one another. In such a relationship, we can get down to business. We can talk about the woe things in our lives. Confession can happen because there is mutual trust and confidence. You see, the deeper the trust, the deeper the honesty. Mutual trust and confidence are a very important element in an accountability friendship. And so here's another warning. Choose your close accountability friendships wisely. Be careful with those quick friendships, especially you young people. You know, you meet someone maybe at Bible school or on a mission trip, someone you've never met before. And instantly you hit it off. And several days later, you find yourself just pouring your heart out to this person that you just met recently. I'm gonna tell you, that's a good way to get burnt. It's a good way to get burnt. And another warning, and I say this kindly, and I say it very carefully, as important as every member is in the body of Christ, not all members have the gift of being a close, accountable friend. Maybe someday they will, but keep that in mind. Just a warning. But I want to take you back now to James chapter 5, verse 16. And let's think about this pillar of confession. We kind of uh, got off just a little bit, but we're coming back. James 5, 16 says, 
Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now this verse is found in the context of anointing with oil. However, I believe this verse is teaching the purpose of confession in general. The purpose of confession we see is healing, that you may be healed. You see, confession is not an end in itself. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, comma, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession is not an end in itself. And so, keep in mind we're talking about practical Christian accountability. And so, in our close accountability friendships, how should we respond when a friend confesses a sin in his life? One of those woe sins, not a like discouragement, one of these woe sins. What do we do? I believe most of us would say it's very painful to listen to a friend confess sin. Because it's hard work to confess sin. It's so humbling. And I know that from personal experience. And I think probably some of you do too. But often in a situation where sin is being confessed, in our sympathy, we want to say something quickly that makes our friend feel better. But you know, in such a situation, it's probably better to keep your words few, let your friend speak, give him plenty of time to say what he or she needs to say, and if you sense they are holding something back quietly, encourage them to say it all. Just say it like it is. So now sin is confessed. Now what? Now what do we do? What do we say to our friend? How do we proceed? We're talking about practical Christian accountability. I believe the answer to that question is found in the two supporting pillars. That's why we looked at confession first. On one side of confession is prayer. On the other side is encouragement. Okay? Prayer and encouragement are surrounding confession. Do you remember the story back in Exodus 17? The children of Israel are fighting Amalek. The situation is, as long as Moses held up his hands, Israel prevailed. And when he let them down, Amalek prevailed. 
You see, Moses was wearing out. You can only hold your hands up in the air for so long. And so to remedy this situation, Aaron and her, that's spelled H-U-R, one his wife, took a stone and they took it over and they put it under Moses and they were like, here Moses, sit down, get comfortable. Keep them hands up, keep them hands up, but sit down right here on this rock. And then Aaron and her, the Bible says, supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And like Aaron and her together supported the arms of Moses, I like to think of the two pillars, encouragement and prayer, as the supporting arms of confession. Someone has wrote it like this, accountability friendships is about giving account of our sins to each other and then walking with up, let me start over. Accountability friendships is about giving account of our sins to each other and then walking with one another to God's throne of grace. You see, as accountability friends, we can only help each other to a certain point. We can't forgive our friends' sin. Only God can forgive sins. We can't give our friends the power to live in victory. Only God can supply such power. We can't remove our friends' fears. Only God can remove fear. In our accountability friendships, we are certainly, we are simply one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. What we're actually doing is reminding and showing each other the source of help. Jesus Christ who came to this world to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Folks, we can't fix each other's problems, but through encouragement, we can point one another to the source of help, the source of power. Paul did that for young preacher Timothy. You know, in the past, I've thought of Timothy as the New Testament poster child with his Christian heritage and his Christian teaching. And as a young man, he becomes a minister. But you know, after studying or after reading First and Second Timothy again, I don't see him quite that way. I'm beginning to see that Timothy was a person like us who needed lots of encouragement. Paul wrote two letters of encouragement to Timothy and you know, writing letters may seem a little old fashioned today, but I believe a letter is still a very powerful way to encourage. In Paul's letters to Timothy, he wrote encouraging words like 1 Timothy 6:12, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, 
whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. In 2 Timothy 2.1, he wrote, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 1 verse 5, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Paul, in his encouraging words, was pointing young Timothy to the source of victory. Fight the good fight of faith. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Others have been faithful. I am persuaded that same faith is in you also. And so encouragement is the supporting arm of confession. And then let's consider the other pillar, the pillar of prayer. Prayer must follow confession. It's like a package. We see that again in James 5, verse 16, if you're still there. But notice what it says. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The formula for spiritual healing is confess and pray. Confess and pray. In our accountability friendships, after a sin is confessed, the best thing we can do at that point is pray together. The one who confesses the sin can pray. The listening friend can pray as well. He can pray for his struggling friend. And also in that prayer, he can confess his own weaknesses and failures to God. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Confess and pray. And then, as we think of the pillar of prayer, I had to think, too, of the power of continual prayer. Colossians 4, verse 2 says, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. And again, back to that relationship between the Apostle Paul and Timothy. Listen to the words of Paul to Timothy. We talked about his encouraging words, but notice what he says about prayer. Paul, this is in the second letter, 2 Timothy 1.1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice verse 3. 
I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers, night and day. You know how those words must have encouraged Timothy. Prayer is a powerful tool, but telling someone you are praying for them is also very powerful. And so the supporting pillars of encouragement, the supporting pillars, encouragement and prayer are powerful tools. They are tools of victory. And so think with me, if it would not have been for the supporting arms of Aaron and Hur. Back there in Exodus 17, Israel would have been defeated. The supporting arms of Aaron and Hur made a difference for Israel that day. The difference was between victory and defeat. And so it is in our accountability friendships. Prayer and encouragement is what will make the difference. Those are the tools for victory. And so, in conclusion, after studying this subject of Christian accountability for many hours, reading many different articles and preaching three sermons, I've come, I have come to two very simple conclusions. The first conclusion is that Christian accountability is biblical. And second, the one another's of the New Testament show us how to practice, how to practice it. And so do you want to have good, solid accountability friendships? I encourage you to study the one another's of the New Testament. That's where it is. I mean, we could go to bookstores and get many books, and probably even good books, on how to be accountable. But I tell you, it's all right there in the Bible. Just go dig it out. It'll show you how to be a good, solid accountability friend. And so I have a verse of song. I'm not going to sing. I'm going to just read it to you. But I want to close with this. No man is an island. No man stands alone. Each man's joy is joy to me. Each man's grief is my own. We need one another, so I will defend each man as my brother, each man as my friend. God bless you. We'll call for a closing song. <laughs>